Hello and welcome to We've Drop and Get the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about The Lion King, the uh, the new 2019 remake. More precisely, I'm going to be talking about The Lion King. Um, yeah, let's give a little backstory because, you know, and I know I'm going to disappoint or, you know, upset <laughs> everyone, but I absolutely hated the first one. I thought it was like really racist and really homophobic, right? And people ask me, well, how was it racist? And, you know, kind of if they want to look it up in the 20 odd years since it first came out, there's really been a lot of writing about that, right? So, you know, about how the horrible uncle is like, uh, um, dark, darker furred, darker furred, but also you know figured uh, very camp, right, mm. and so on, and then kind of you know the hyenas, their marching formation, kind of recalling the Nazis and so on, you know. So um, I hate it, and you know I know my nephew adores it and worships it, and I, I even went to see the 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 West End show uh, for him, which was you know also terrible. <laughs> uh, um, at least the version that I saw, though, you know, kind of, I think, I think everybody had a third, fourth, fifth stand-in and, uh, at the show that I went to. But anyway, there was nothing that was going to drag me to this new live, well, live, this new animated one. Um, until yesterday. Until yesterday. When we looked up, we just happened to, I happened to mention that he had made a huge, something like $1.3 billion worldwide. That's right. And you went, oh, we've got to see this now. Yeah. Well, it, I thought it was a flop and the reviews have been terrible. So it was like kind of more reason not to see it until yesterday where, you know, it's it's one of the biggest hits of the year. It's it's made more than the Avengers, etc., uh, etc., et right? I don't think it's made more than the Avengers. The Avengers, Avengers has got like, well, it's, it's knocking on three billion. I think, hasn't it beaten uh, Avatar now? Ah, okay, well... I mean, there was a uh, weird thing going it, on with Avengers where the fans were going, we've nearly beaten Avatar. Let's go and see it one more time. And ah. give, I mean, it was fucking stupid. Right. So, yeah, no, uh, it's okay. well ahead of that. It's made 1.4 billion worldwide. Big right? movie. So, it's a huge international success. Uh, uh, and, and it surprised me very much. So, that was the reason why you went to see it. I couldn't today. I would have gone with you, but... Uh, well, could... t- well, today, we basically had a choice because you've been busy all day. You knew you were going to be busy. So you said, in the evening, we've got a choice between Lion King and Animals. Yes. And I said Animals, yes. um, which is at the Electric. I'm, I've been really looking forward to that, which is what we're going to see in an hour. Um, but because I had free time before that, I went, well, I'm going to go see Lion King then. Yes. I hope you don't mind, or you can no, come no, along if no, you want. No, no, great. You, you do it so I don't have to. So, <laughs> and yeah, I mean... So how was You it? really don't have to. <laughs> tell um, me everything that upset you about it. I, I mean, I can tell you in order. Mm. Because I was, I, was, I was jotting things down in my head, and then after like half an hour, I would go and note them down on my phone. And I did this a few times, and I realised I, you know, I might be annoying the people who I was having to cross in front of. So in the end, I just started writing them on my hand and uh-huh. hoped that they were legible, which they <laughs> we have kind the evidence, of are. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's it, people were talking about it as the live-action Lion King, which of course is not true. There's not a single bit of live-action in it. It's all CGI. But the reason that they're calling it that is because it's realistic. Yes. It looks realistic, and obviously the first one was a 2D cartoon, very stylized, and you know, I mean Disney of the mm. era, you know. And you know the first thing is it looks amazing. You know, of course it does. The rendering, the the the, the, 
the lighting, it all looks absolutely beautiful. And it's such a retrograde aesthetic move, though. Yes. You know, because when you consider all of the freedom that animation brings you, and part of the freedom that it brings you is that you don't have to be anchored to those particular codes of verisimilitude. Right, so what happens, the first thing you do is try to make it as like realistic as possible, which is, you know, banal. <laughs> yeah, and um, the first thing that struck me actually was the aspect ratio, which, uh -huh. is a, which is a nerdy thing to get hung up on, but it was a really narrow aspect ratio compared to what I expected. At first I thought it might be 16.9, which is TV widescreen. Yeah. I can't imagine they would actually have done that. Okay. I think it was basic cinema widescreen, which is 185 uh -huh. to 1, which is a little bit wider than that. Um, but it just, it, you know, I wanted vistas. You know, mm. the opening is this sweep across uh, the, the Pride Lands and, and mm. Pride Rock and whatever. All these animals congregating to see the new kid, Simba. Mm. And it did not, you know, it, the, it, the, 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 as I said, the rendering, the way all the animals are built and animated is very, very beautiful and, you know, um, sort of professional. But... Aesthetically, it felt inert. No. So much of the film felt inert. Um, it generated no feeling. I mean, all the jokes that I was making to you beforehand about how it was directed by a piece of tracing paper, mm. not paper. <laughs> it turns out they really weren't jokes. It's actually true. Mm. You know, the, the, there are shots which you see directly copied the originals, you know, because those are the shots, these are iconic, I mean, to me, these are kind of iconic, because this film came out when I was six years old, I watched it a lot when I was a kid, it was important to me, all that sort of stuff, yes. so I recognise all this stuff, yes. and, I, and it got to the point, very early on, where I was thinking, how can anyone respect this, mm. actually? It's, so, it's such a transparent sort of money-making move, basically. Mm. Are the songs all the same? The, the songs are um, mostly the same, the singing is a lot worse, um, it, the singing is really, really bad, actually. Even Beyonce and Donald Glover, when mm. they sing uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, mm. those two can actually sing. Yes. But but then they do a fucking stupid harmonising version. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like the version that you do when you know, you're showing off that you can sing. Yeah. Just sing it properly. Um. It ruined it. Um. Be Prepared is my favourite song from the original, which is the one that Jeremy Irons sang, Scar, um. sang uh, to the hyenas you know, about... Mm. You know, preparing to take over um, the Pride Lands. And like, that is one of the few things in this film that is actually different. Uh -huh. um, it's done almost like a fucking beat poem. Like He just talks over the music a bit and, and, they, and they rearrange the lyrics. So he doesn't, he doesn't sing them all. I mean, they don't, he doesn't sing or say them all. They're just not all there. He just repeats the words be prepared a few times quite badly. Very boring. Although, to be fair, the actual voice performance... Who plays Scar? Um, I think it's Chiwetelagia for who who I mostly think is badly cast. I don't think he has the right voice for it. Uh -huh. I mean, worse than Idris Elba was in uh, Jungle Book. Uh -huh. You know, d didn't have the right tone of voice. But as Scar, he d when he gets angry, you know, he 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 sells it. That he, mm. You know, the, uh, his voice acting is not bad. Although, but I must say, throughout, everyone is badly cast, mm. with the exception possibly of um, Billy Eichner. Who plays Timon? Who I think you might quite enjoy. Mm. You might, might, might not. You know, mm. he's he's a little bit of a gay stereotype. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you hear it's more more in his voice than anything else. And Seth Rogen as Pumba, right. who really sounds right. He has that kind of gruff. Sort of, oh. You know, you know his, his voice. Yeah, yeah. Come, it sounds right coming out of Pumba. But even even um, what's his name as Mufasa? Because um, it's the same. What's his name? Uh, 
What is his name? James Earl Jones, who pl- oh, yes. plays Mufasa again, doesn't sound right. And the reason for that, I think, because the voice is obviously just the same. All the line readings are the same. Uh-huh. Um, I think the reason for it is that they've gone so far down the realistic path in, right. in the aesthetic that like they've made these cats look so much like cats that just like real cats they can't talk mm. <laughs> you know so the lips don't match their mouths uh. and they also look completely identical the lot of them you uh. really can't tell the difference between a lot of them especially the hyenas they really look the same uh. you know scar's the only one who looks a bit different and that's because he's thin and's basically got like bad clown makeup on he looks mm. very weird you know it doesn't look all that good he has this, he has a similar sort of i don't think they just you have the similar thing going on in his fur color as he did in the first film but but Similar but not the same, and actually, he's more kind of desiccated and thin and underfed and mangy. It looks kind of good. Mm. Um, um, how many? What are the films that Jean Fabreau has directed up to this point? Uh, just list them. Yeah. Okay. I will uh, quickly Google him. I know that he. Um, I think he kind of made his name as a big name director in with Iron Man. He kicked off. I know. Yes, um, um, he kicked off the MCU. But I think just... the argument that I'm trying to make is that he's made all these massively successful films, and there's really not a great one in the bunch. <laughs> oh, well, that's but... absolutely true. I'll I'll get them for you. Um, Elf, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Elf was kind of fine, fun, but it's based on Will Ferrell, you know. Yeah. Um, Zathura, a space adventure, which. Had a budget of sixty-five million and a gross of sixty-four million. Yeah, I don't. Almost know nearly made its budget. Iron Man, Iron Man Two. Yes, those. They're what I they get. are. Yeah. Cowboys and Aliens, which I didn't see. Oh, that was a huge flop, but yeah, I didn't see it either. Ju- just made its budget. Um, um, to be fair, a huge budget, which is why it was a flop. Yeah, yeah. Then. Chef, which was fun, but a very small project with his mates. Yeah, I didn't see that. Not a great film. It's fine. Mm. Um, it's one of those that they've got a, a series out of it on Netflix yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Jungle Book, which I liked. I know, yeah. Mm. Um, I, well, the reason that I like The Jungle Book, completely opposite to The Lion King, is because they changed things. Mm. You know, when I went back and watched the original Jungle Book, mm. um, it occurred to me that this really has no plot. It's a kind of showcase for songs and animation, and all of that is very beautiful, but it really has no plot to speak of. Mm. And actually, to, to put some of that on and kind of generate some kind of thematic um, coherence in the, in the remake, I thought was smart Uh and I liked that so I thought there was some kind of ambition to what they're doing it's completely the opposite to what they're doing here which is absolutely the same there is no desire to change or improve or reconfigure or reimagine anything Mm. they just want all the same stuff exactly the same as it was before apart from the bits they decide to ruin Mm. (laughs) you know like for instance when Nala and Simba come back right Mm. so so Simba has kind of been expelled when he was he was his dad's been killed um, Scar tells him to run then gets the hyenas to kill him but they don't he manages to escape he grows up in the jungle with Timon and Pumbaa um, then Nala manages to escape the sort of Nazi regime that the Pridelands has become um, and stumbles across Simba so they're grown up and they, they meet again and that's when you sing uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight mm. except that you know I can't remember this from the original so well but there is no suggestion of uh, you know, a ro- this this being a romantic meeting, the fir- the only thing that you've had between them before is that they're friends, mm. and that the suggestion that um, Zazu, the advisor, 
that uh, has given them that they will be married one day, they go, ugh, you know, because they're four years old. Or whatever. Mm. It's an icky idea to them. Um, so, like, the idea that this is, like, meeting your love again is absolutely not there. Not only that, but it's literally within about 40 seconds of them recognising each other to singing Can You Feel the Love Tonight. It, it doesn't... It, it sparks up from absolutely nowhere. You've also got... You should have this conversation about where have you been? I thought you were dead. You know, here's what's happened in the Pride mm. Lands. Here's why we need you back. You need to assert yourself as a king. All that sort of stuff. Which happens in two lines of dialogue it mm. doesn't happen basically mm. it's very badly written that and I don't know why they rush through it as, as they do I mean you know when it comes out on DVD or whatever it'll be worth watching just that scene so you can see exactly how perfunctory it is they don't even get the main ideas across that they need to yes. of, of these characters meeting again I, all of a sudden they're falling in love yes it, to be honest I, re- I can't even imagine yeah. myself um, watching those I mean you know there's a lot of films that come out and they become part of children's um, childhood, yeah? But it becomes kind of embedded and ingrained in part of their lives. And, you know, kind of every generation it changes and so on, right? And I feel maybe I'm, I'm just closed off to that now. I'm <laughs> too old and I'm no longer interested, right? Like, you know, I've done all the Disneys and, you know, kind of uh, all the Toy Stories and you know, and so on. Um, and right now, I'm just interested in those elements that I truly love, you know, and kind of the, the ones that I truly love are the the, the Japanese ones. We have quite a... What's oh, the um, director's name? Um, who died now? Studio Ghibli. Studio Ghibli. I can't right. remember the director's name. Okay. But yeah, Pictures um, Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle. That's those. right. I love those. You know, and I actually, I kind of, those almost immersed me from, for a whole summer, you know, they're kind of, they're very beautiful and imaginative and, you know, and, and actually they're very different from each other. So, uh, you know, Howl's Moving Castle is very different than, I forget what it's called, something like, uh, uh, you know, the, the Red Witch or the Little Red Witch or something like that. The Red Turtle. No, the Red Turtle also, but there is one about a little witch, about a a little apprentice witch. Oh, don't you know, know, which I like very much. Um, you know, so they're very, yeah, all yeah. of them are very different from each other, and I think they're very imaginative. And also, I think they're truly great movies. Yeah, they're kind of, they have things to say about about people and society and, and you know, feelings and so on. Um, they don't feel like they're commodities nearly as much as anything that's that comes right, out of Disney like, is. And Disney know. is like the king of commodifying. And things. I resent the I should social, be no surprise. I resent the social pressure, you know, because, I mean, you know, it really is all about making money and in its crudest form, right? Like, I mean, all popular culture is about making money to a certain degree, right? But, you know, I'm not sure that that's the driving force, you know, in all popular culture. And when it is, I just feel really resistant to it. Like, why, you know, why should I feel pressured to watch kind of Walt Disney's new money-making scheme across a whole range of media and and amusement parks, right? Like, I, I kind of, you know, and I don't want fair, to. to be fair, I don't <laughs> think either of us actually did feel pressurized to do so. Like, the reason that I went to see it ultimately was because I had time. Yeah. You know, if I, th- I would have been perfectly happy not bothering with this Lion King at all. Yes, well, even even on home media, I might I, got around to it eventually. I would have been happy until you know I realized it was like such a phenomenal box office success, and then you do feel a bit of pressure, you know, as a critic and as a yeah, yeah to to kind of be abreast of things, right? So, um, 
Here's the other thing, and you you hinted at this earlier, is there is no room in this aesthetic for visual expression. Uh-huh. Or not, not expression, but expressiveness. Uh-huh. Imagination. Yeah. So, you know, when you think about the cartoon version, it was, you know, you had Zazu in a cage. Uh-huh. You had Zazu being eaten by... Uh, scar right at the start which doesn't happen here because mm. how can you you know the thing is it's so realistic that these animals are tr- properly threatening no. you know so like right at the very beginning in the opening scene where they're singing Circle of Life and everyone's going to see the new baby um, uh, Rafiki the baboon is up on Pride Rock and he approaches Mufasa and he sort of touches him on the forehead and obviously he's like his vizier, advisor, mm. wise man, holy man, whatever. That's it. You know, they have a relationship. But literally there's this shot that is a close-up on Mufasa's face and Rafiki's hand. And I thought for a second, like, don't do it. He's a fucking lion. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed properly dangerous. Straight after that, you have the introduction to Scar, um, who is like chasing a, a, a mouse around, which is again taken from the original but more threatening it's not quite as playful because mm. you know he do, he doesn't move in the same way he do, you know if you remember Scar from the original as you were suggesting in, there's a, there's a certain degree of uh, stereotyping uh, in some respect to to the way he moves but it's um, nonetheless it's expressive you know mm. the way he kind of holds his wrist the way he sort of he, he, he draws mm. you know he's better than everything and mm. oh what an awful thing that I'm in such a position that I can't be king and blah 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 but you know it's deeply expressive though, mm. and it's fantastic. You can't get any of that here because his face can't make the right expressions. His 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 limbs aren't allowed to move the right way, mm. and so you know if you had him, the thing is Zazu comes in in that scene and distracts Scar. The mouse gets away, so he goes, "Well, you you maybe lose my lunch. I'm gonna have to eat something else, mm. meaning you." And in the original film, he eats Zazu, gets him in his mouth, as I recall, and it's only when. Uh, Mufasa shows up that he spits him out uh-huh. and it's a cartoony moment you uh-huh. know Zazu comes out of his mouth covered in spit and he's annoyed in this if you did that it would be terrifying and the mm. thing would be ripped to shreds mm. like you could not do it that like, it, so, it, so you can't have these moments you can't have Zazu in a cage singing It's a Small World or whatever he sings mm. you can't have Timon wearing a grass skirt to mm. distract you know the, the, the hyenas it's you can't. What they do actually, they they try and replace all this just with dialogue, mm. um, just with dialogue jokes, a lot of which don't really work. And you have this very weird moment where, when they're distracting the hyenas so that the others can sneak into to Pride Lands, um, they just they're gonna they're presenting uh, Pumba as a lovely juicy meal for mm. the hyenas, which is what they do in the original. But instead of doing like a song and dance, what they do is. They do lines from Beauty and the Beast, right? Really? It's it's fascinating. So it's um Madame et Monsieur with deepest pleasure and greatest whatever it is, mm. I present to you your dinner. Mm. And then he starts going, Be our guest and as he does that, <laughs> uh, the hyenas tap their run off. But they do this like it's like it, Disney is I think we've said before, Disney is kind of really, really liking to talk about itself and do all this meta stuff. But I don't think I've seen that before. Right. So blatantly just you know, you like our movies, you like this one as well, we'll just put a bit in as a joke. Mm. That was very bizarre to me. Anyway. anyway, what I think is interesting is that you have this technological development which means that you could make animation so realistic. And instead of ending up kind of, you know, doing something good, it ends up being an aesthetic constraint. Um, or at least in this iteration, which is, you know, kind of the new Lion King film, uh, which is something interesting to think about. So not every technological breakthrough is an enhancement or 
not every use of a technological invention is necessarily an enhancement. There has to be a way of doing it. Mm. The one thing that really occurred to me is the scene where Simba is kind of reunited with Mufasa in the clouds, mm. which in the original he looks up to the skies and the clouds kind of configure themselves into an image of Mufasa mm. that speaks to him. And um, the way that's done here is it's just swirling clouds. Um, Mufasa doesn't appear apart from, with, with a bit of lightning that kind of appears from within the clouds that illuminates them, you see the shape of the lion's face appear. Mm. But for a split second, it's not like he's there talking to him. Um, he, is, he is through voiceover, but not visually. Mm. But it struck me that even in this, even with a film that is so down the line trying to do something that is just anatomically realistic... You could have done that with the clouds. That's yes. clouds. That's like magic. You know, one of the things I was thinking about in relation to this, you remember that um, it wasn't Lord of the Rings, but, it, you know, uh, uh, um, the Hobbit thing, I think, right. where they did it so hyper-realistic, where I think the, they changed the frame rate. They, they had double the frame rate. Yeah. 48 frames per second. And it was such an unpleasant experience to watch. And actually, yeah. I think it really ruined the movie, really. You know, kind of, it was like just very difficult to watch and it looked very weird. And rather than adding something, it was like it really detracted from it. Um, and, you know, I had a suspicion that kind of this would be a similar thing, which it seems it has it's, been. It's not a turn off visually, right? Ah. It's not like it's, it's not something that, you know, when we watched The Hobbit or we didn't see it together. But, you know, I, I had the same reaction to you mm. uh, as you did um, when I saw The Hobbit, which was kind of physical revulsion mm. because it was such an unpleasant thing to look at and I think the reason that you spend 40 minutes with them having dinner at the start and doing nothing is to give you time to adjust mm. um, this doesn't have that right it's not like you're kind of constantly questioning the visuals the visuals are incredible mm. um, but then they're always you're always aware that decisions are being made to restrict things mm. in service of them because they they don't have the the confidence or what, I don't know what it is that they just don't think they didn't they didn't try and get away with more visual imagination or expression. Mm. Um, maybe the maybe the point was to not do that. Maybe the point was to make it very realistic, and that was just. And if you did any of that, it wouldn't fit. I don't know, but it just felt very plain and boring. And you know the aspect ratio is, was really wrong. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, it really is going to stick with me. The aspect ratio. It's like it's just designed straight to go to streaming. You know, uh -huh. Disney have got their Disney Plus thing yeah, to yeah, compete yeah. with Netflix and Amazon Prime and all the rest. It's like it's designed to go straight to that. Just put it in the aspect ratio that'll look nicest on tellies. Because if it's in a really wide one, like two thirty-five or something, you know that won't look right. People, it'll crop and everything. Mm -hmm. And it, everything was composed very badly. You've got thing. You've got shots where characters are half cut off the screen that look like they're composed for a wider screen I really didn't understand it mm. I really didn't understand the visual composition of it um, because it was it was sitting there waiting for this beautiful vista thing and you can do whatever you want <laughs> you can do whatever you want so why do that right why what get else? John Favreau to do that well Just get why some, John Favreau at all why get someone uh. who has get Ridley fucking Scott you know he's good I think his directing career has been a loss because I like him so much as an actor. John Favreau. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's so funny and so warm and so kind of open-hearted, you know. Um, yeah, like, uh, he comes across as, um, as very natural on screen. Uh, and you could imagine him having become, like, a big comedy star, or, yeah? Yeah. He's kind of... There's something Fred Flintstone-y Flintstone <laughs> about him. He, I think but in he, a very... Um, 
that, appealing that, way. That co- that comedy style that we've slightly got bored of of mm. the um, of the kind of fast talking, being awkward mm. American thing. I think he's the one who sells it better than anyone else. Yes. He, I think he is actually he, he makes that seem natural when he yes. does it. Yes, I think he's very good at that. Um, but I think you know, um, I mean, and his the problem is his films have been spectacular successes, a lot of them, right? But I think none of them have been good. Uh, and I think maybe a lot of people can do what he's been doing, you know, with the Marvel franchise. But actually, very few people could do what he brings as an actor. And you know, yeah. obviously, he's he's raking the money in in one direction. But it's kind of like you know a, a, a loss that's kind of um, it's been at the cost of his acting really. Yeah. Anyway, anything else you hate about no, this film? I'm pretty much you want to crush any any other people's um, dreams? <laughs> uh, no, I'm basically done. Oh, there's one thing which is another kind of minor writing thing, which is how the the hyenas they're told to go and chase Simba when he's a cub. The Scar tells them to go and chase him and kill him, and they don't manage to. He jumps over a cliff and manages to survive basically. And they're sit, they're stood at the top of the cliff, going, "He can't possibly have survived that, so let's go." But the way they the way they decide to go is like it's they they tr- it's a very dramatic scene. That's the stampede scene mm. with the wildebeest. You've just seen Scar kill Mufasa. Simba has seen his dad die, mm. though he's not seen how. Uh, but he's seen him fall. Then he's been chased by the hyenas who want him dead. It's a very dramatic scene, and the film does a reasonable job of selling it. And then they try and put this slight comedy button on it with these two hyenas. Who uh, The hyenas are played by Keegan-Michael Key and Eric Andre, I think, is the other one, um, who I like normally. But they, um, they try and have a sort of funny... Uh, sort of not getting on with each other, hyena relationship. They're supposed to be a comedy duo, and it doesn't really work, and especially doesn't work here because at the end of this very dramatic scene, they have a kind of a bit of an argument about how close they're standing to each other mm. in that kind of American semi-improvised, awkwardy way of dialogue, and then and then the way that they decide that Simba can't possibly have survived and go off is very casual because the other thing you think is they've got this hyena boss who is very threatening, and they're also in cahoots with Scar, who's very threatening and is going to be king. Ha- you know, They're very casual about just going, Simba probably ha- probably has died, we're not going to go down to check. And they don't even try and give a reason that like it's dangerous to climb down this cliff face to look for his body. Uh-huh. So it's just, I didn't like that bit. Uh-huh. And I would have to actually go back and look at the original to see how it was handled there, because I don't remember those details. Uh-huh. You know, it may well be, rather like when I revisited the Jungle Book, the original, that I, that I discovered that in all of these ways, um, it really doesn't hold up and I have a completely different opinion on it. It's because it's a long time since I watched it. Well, that would be interesting. Um, so, I, you know, I may have a, another, another look at it, but I can't imagine that most of it would not fill me with the same feelings. You know, that I, you know it feels like it would stand up. It feels like all those characters would still be the characters that I love. Because to be fair, with the original Jungle Book, I never had that feeling. Mm. Um, uh, and so revisiting it was not kind of the biggest surprise that actually it didn't seem to hold up as people thought. It would surprise me if The Lion King didn't to me. Um, well, I think it's worth doing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's wrap this up for yeah, now. Yeah. I'm very glad I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. I dodged you a bullet there. <laughs> so, um, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on... Heroin to get over <laughs> We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Uh, on social media, we're on uh, Facebook and Twitter. And the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. 
just briefly before we go, I just had to express to Jose as forcefully as I could that this is one of the worst cast films I've ever seen. Everyone's been chosen because they're a star. No one's been chosen on the basis of their ability to to voice act. Mm. You know, even the ones who are actors. <laughs> mm. You know, it's a Disney thing. It's like it started with it started with those films in the late night. It started with with Robin Williams in Aladdin, casting for stardom rather than voice acting. Because because then all these films see you watch all the trailers and it's you know name 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 mm. in the Lion King. It's very interesting because when Disney was doing it, he wasn't doing that. You know, you don't see any stars. Uh, they're all voicing. voice actors. Yeah, they're, they're all, all voice actors. Role. As I said, um, I think I genuinely think it started with 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 the genie in Aladdin. Maybe Beauty and the Beast had stars. Uh, um, Angela Lansbury, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. But mind you, she was like a previous Disney star too. Uh, yes, um, um, bed knobs and broomsticks, but not much else. Mm. Um, so, but it is kind of. Um, I, I don't get the appeal of it, really, because, you know, I never go to a film because Jake Gyllenhaal is the voice of X or whatever. I mean, you know, kind of, I I mean, you know, in some cases they bring value, in a lot of cases they don't. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, that uh, Brad Pitt voicing something would be, uh, you know, a draw for, you know, a, an eight-year-old or... Or even a forty-year-old, actually. Like, I, don't I think see it could it. like only let you down. Like, how often can it be as good as the genie? You know, where it's, it genuinely brings something very special. Yes, um, but that was because he improvised yeah, a lot yeah. of that role, right? He added to it in ways that were just beyond the voice. Absolutely. Uh-huh. He also was very pissed off with Disney because I'm half remembering details, but my vague understanding of it is that he he was told he he agreed to do it on the basis that the genie would not be used disproportionately to promote the film right and of course Disney went what the hell we've got this fantastic character everyone loves him sell genie stuff mm. and he was really pissed off which is why when it went to you know the sequels they, they made the straight DVD they had no hope in hell of getting him mm. to do it um, and he that kind of really that really soured with Robin Williams right um, but that but this like the absolute kind of start I think of the star is here as the voice to sell blah 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 mm. the, the only difference is with, the, with Aladdin that the voice actually was valuable. Yeah. Yes. None of these voices is valuable. Right. Beyonce doesn't bring anything. Beyonce's line readings are the worst. Every line reading is terrible from everyone. Right. But Beyonce's are the absolute worst. Beyonce, as I call it. <laughs> yes, I noticed, <laughs> but I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> but, I, mean, I love her. But, but really, but... everybody's not, you know, except maybe for Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen. They have a semblance of getting mm. the sense of the, what they need, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really, really badly cast. Right, we are. <laughs> 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 <laughs>